Hey folks, welcome to the astrology show. It's me, Kira. Um, stoked to have you with me here today. Once again, this is episode six of season three, and it's another um, episode in our sign series. We're talking about air signs today. <laughs> so yeah, get ready for this fun, chatty um, episode. I just, I loved, I loved recording it. I love all three of these folks. Um, and I'm excited for you to hear it. Um, just a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Primarily just want to um, encourage you guys to check out the 11th house workshop that we have um, this weekend. Uh, February 26th, on Saturday the 26th, we're going to be presenting um, our first guest workshop of the year, Captolia, aka the Digital Witch, um, is presenting a workshop called SEO for Astrologers. So yeah, it's all about SEO, essentially, search in engine optimization, um, and how to get found on Google, how, how to have your website and your blog posts, etc., um, show up on, you know, in Google on higher up in Google search results. Um, and yeah, I mean, the whole way that Keptolia teaches is so magical, um, and so inspiring and also so easy to digest. And this is information that it's going to be like so useful, almost priceless, um, just so, so invaluable um, in this, you know, digital world that we live in these days. And just with like, you know, everything on social media being so um, like not lasting, <laughs> you know, everything kind of stays there. But at the same time, we only see things in our feeds for, you know, a day or so, or even just like a second. Um, and so it's really important that your content, your content lives on somewhere, especially something like a blog or your website, um, and that folks can find it. So, um, this is a workshop we're offering again, you don't have to be in the 11th house to, to attend this actually. Um, all of our guest workshops are now public. So members get to join for free, but um, you can also just purchase a, a ticket and attend. And even if you can't make it live, um, you'll get the replay. So I would definitely look into this if you have a website at all. Even if you're not an astrologer, you're going to learn some really useful information. Um, it's sliding scale. So we have three different price levels. And yeah, like I said, you get to keep the recording forever as well. So it's a really, really great opportunity to learn a lot, um, some really useful skills that aren't hard to implement at all. Um, I learned SEO from Captolia um, through her membership, Witch and Famous, and also I did one-on-one -on -one coaching with her for a year, um, and we talked a lot about it then as well. So yeah, just so such valuable information that um, I'm excited to share with the rest of the astrology community because it's so needed. Um, so yeah, check out, we have the link in bio or you can just go to um, my website, astrology.com um, and you can find it under um, upcoming workshops. So, and also I think it's probably just on the front page of my site too. I should know that, <laughs> but I did just redo my site. Um, if you haven't seen it, 
check out astrology.com. It's gorgeous. Um, I had an incredible designer and we just, yeah, it was a really great collaboration and I'm really proud of it and excited about it. You know how I am with my aesthetics. I just want everything to be beautiful. And that, you know, um, includes our new podcast art and just our new podcast branding. That was all Rochelle, um, the designer I worked with. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy with it. And I hope you are too. Um, what else? Yeah, I think that is all I have to share with you. Um, yeah, I'll tell you about the next guest workshop on the next episode. <laughs> um, and Venusian Afternoons, we'll talk about that too coming up. So yeah, I'm going to leave you with that. SEO for astrologers, be sure to sign up. Um, and I have some other cool stuff coming up too that I'll I'll share at a later date. I don't want to overload you guys. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about air signs. Hey, friends. Hi. <laughs> Colin, Jared, and Hog. How's it going? It's going. Great. How are you? It's going. <laughs> pretty good. Excited to talk to you guys today about air. Talk about air. That's very, um, I don't know, talking about air science, that just feels on point. Totally. Um, yeah, so I guess to get started, I want to introduce all three of you, um, our air sign representatives, and we'll talk a little bit about how we know each other, and then we'll get into it. So let's start with you, Colin. Do you want to share your SMR, maybe where you're from, where you're located, a little bit about your practice? You got it. So SMR, I am a Gemini sun, Capricorn moon, Leo rising. Um, I am from Long Island, New York, but I'm coming at you from Rome, Italy, six hours in the future, which is pazzi, crazy. A little bit about my practice is I am trying as best as I can to just talk about astrology in a way that helps other people uh, correlate to personal insight, relational intelligence. I love the connections between what metaphysicians and esoteric researchers like us are trying to ask and question, but also things that are really rooted in evidence-based research and qualitative and quantitative literature in psychology and relational sciences. I love bringing those worlds together. So that's really the, the, what animates my work is how can we bring the secular and spiritual approaches together. And Kira, we met at like a, like a fun little astrology panel or like, what was it? It was like a, like, it was like a, a free for all basically, but ever there was a bunch of different like <laughs> lectures, right? Didn't we meet there? Yeah, it was, it was a New York city astrology meetup. Yes. Um, meetups. organized. Yeah. That, and we each did, it was you and me and like one or two other astrologers. And we did presentations on like the outer planets. Correct. I think. That's right. So I did Uranus and you did Neptune, right? Oh, such good memory. Most assuredly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I met you just by the doors the first time. And then, uh, I just have adored you ever since you just like, radiated with that Aries moon fire. You warmed up the winter. And I was like, all right, that's the one. That's the Scorpio. Boom. (laughs) Yes. No, yeah. That was, I remember being extremely like self-conscious that day during Mm. that thing. And I remember just being like, I fucking, I just, 
not killed it, but the opposite of killed it. Um, no, <laughs> I just did killed. a bad job. I thought I did no, such a bad job. Not at all. <laughs> it was the energy in those spaces. I'm sure everybody can confirm it. It can feel so loaded, like it's a pressure cooker, and like yeah. so you just black out, and you're like, I don't care what the fuck I said or did. Your bitches are gonna eat it up, and I don't care. Goodbye. Yeah, so. th- and that was like back during in-person <laughs> meetups and stuff like that too. Yes, so different I mean, world. The takeaway was it was great to meet you there. Likewise. And then, yeah, we just stayed connected. That's right. That's just, right. And, oh, yeah, you started coming to some of our, um, some of the dinners that I, uh, that I used to host in New York. That's and, right. Yeah. We've been connected. I, I refer to you as my astro big brother. I know. Because... What an honor. Seriously. <laughs> I'm doing the gay gasp and like the holding of the heart. That means so much to me. And you are my Scorpio sister, my Scorpio little sister. Aww. But like I have much to learn from you. There's no differential no. here, you know, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. No, Colin's helped. You've helped me out quite a bit just oh, on my journey and recommended me for the book project that we both worked on. I, you did. You wrote the Gemini book. Of course, I wrote the Pisces book <laughs> for um, this Barnes and Nobles series that they right. produced. Um, and yeah, just always having my back. Forever. So Gemini Scorpio royalty. <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jared, hi. Hi. Do you want to do you want to share about your SMR and your practice? For sure. Um, so I'm a Libra Sun, Libra Moon, Virgo Rising. Um, and as for my practice, I don't know if I have too many brilliant things to say. Um, if uh, <laughs> you might have seen me online as, I mean, which is to say, I'm. Known exclusively as Mercurius George in the astrology world. Um, maybe a few people know my name, but I tend to keep that to myself. Um, and I've been kind of hanging around for a while. I feel like I've weaseled my way into the astrology community without <laughs> really doing anything, which is um, my pride and joy. Um, but I do uh, consultations. <laughs> I think by the time this episode goes live, I will probably have relaunched my consultations and... Uh, thanks to Kira, I've been contributing as a writer and editor to the Cusp app, um, which has been a really fun project. And otherwise, honestly, mostly I just love to lurk, uh, make jokes, and keep learning. I feel like I feel like I'm still in the learning process as an astrologer, as much as I am a practitioner. So really happy to be here with all of you. Yay. Yeah. How did we meet? I think just Twitter. I think I I just, at some point I got so tired of holding all my thoughts to myself that I created a Twitter account just to talk about astrology. And I started, I just started talking to people and with no expectations whatsoever that I was going to someday identify as an astrologer. Um, It just sort of took on a life of its own. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people I now know and I can't really remember like why I know them except just like an accumulation of interactions until eventually it was like hey should we meet you know (laughs) so (laughs) yeah 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 it's been such a pleasure over the past I guess like two years at this point hanging out online and we've hung out in person a couple times um here in LA and New York and yeah I'm so happy to have you as part of our cusp team Saving my life by <laughs> taking over editing. Um, and you also did, yeah, you wrote a lot for um, our compatibility reports. Just too, putting those so. Virgo, Virgo yes. placements to work. They're, they're always there. Yes, you might as well yes. use them. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 
so good for, so good for me <laughs> um awesome thanks thanks for being here um and hawk hey hi i'm hawk and this is lucian <laughs> elected <laughs> so to elected to join us uh, oh yeah if you're listening and not watching um there's a the cutest tuxedo cat on screen right now <laughs> um my sun, moon, rising, I am an Aquarius sun, uh, Leo moon, and Sagittarius rising at the third, ninth house, sun, moon opposition. Um, full moon, baby. We have a new moon, baby, and a full moon, baby. Um, a little about my practice. I am a magician, uh, an astrologer. I am on the occultist to astrologer pipeline, so I got pulled from ceremonial magic into full-time traditional astrology. Uh, and now I'm like unifying both of those. I have like a devotional deity practice, which means that I worship God forms. And that's like my main way of interfacing with divinity. And my goal as an astrologer is like helping other people learn how to do that and to just connect their like unique self with, yeah, with, with deity and whomst ever. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. Yeah, if you have third and ninth house placements, or maybe you are just really into um, worship, ritual, <laughs> anything having to do with, uh, yeah, gods and deities, Hawk is a great astrologer to hit up. Bring um, or if you're interested in that. Placements, yeah, yeah. If you're interested in connecting more, Hawk's great for that. Um, and we know each other through Twitter, too. Yeah, we went to Twitter um, together. <laughs> we went to Twitter together <laughs> 2018. Um, we met at Norwalk 2019. I'll never forget that. You were like, hey, I'm Hawk. I don't know if you recognize me from Twitter. And I was like, of course I do. And I remember, like, scooping you up to hug you and probably, and, like, in my head thinking, Kira, you really need to ask people <laughs> Now you probably I was so to ask I was so surprised, too, because yeah. I thought you were so cool from a distance. I was just like, <gasps> Not so cool close up, though. <laughs> Even cooler close up. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, and we've been friends ever since. Cool. And you guys, do you guys all know each other? I feel like Hawk and Jarrett, you probably crossed Twitter paths before. Definitely. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, we you guys all you guys have the mutual friend in, in Zach Powell. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, so true. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and yeah, Colin too. You're friends with Zach too. Yeah, Zach was my Norwac 2020 like room monitor, room captain, room helper. Okay. Yeah, so that's yeah. where I met Zach. Oh yeah, but no, I haven't yeah, met Jared okay. or Hawk until today. So lovely. Yeah. So airy so, connections. Yes. Zach is here yes. in spirit though. <laughs> Absolutely. Zach is definitely here in spirit. Hey, Zach, we know you'll, you're going to be listening at some point. <laughs> <laughs> another another Aquarius. Oh, um, yeah. Gemini cool. rising, too. Yeah, Gemini rising. I'm, I'm surrounded by, by air, and I love that. Literally surrounded by air um, at all times. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> at all times. Inside, even. Yeah, right? <laughs> Gosh, let's not talk about gassiness right now. Um, is that what you mean by inside too? That's where my mind went, but I don't know if that was. What <laughs> we need a lot of yeah. Indian food. <laughs> I definitely meant breathing. I, I can see how that happened. 
I went somewhere else that's not safe for this podcast, so I'm just going to stop <laughs> hey, right now. This podcast is already listed as explicit, so okay, whatever okay. you want to say. <laughs> but I'm not going to blow up a Scorpio's privacy. Never. Never. <laughs> oh, okay. I, th- I know what you mean now. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, Colin's referring to the fact that I can't get enough Gemini uh, in and around me. <laughs> okay. I love it. I I will like I will admit I love to just like push the envelope with Aries moons like yeah you, how you Gemini. far can I go like what can I fucking say before they blow a gasket you know what I'm saying <laughs> so let me stop <laughs> yeah I mean let's get started let's, let's talk about air let's do it um yeah to start I just wanted to sort of paint a picture of the element in general before we get into the individual signs. So, hair, like what what comes up? What sort of associations spring into your mind when you think when air, when you think air? Um, Hawk, do you want to start? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I think about I know uh, about the intellect and any it's funny cuz we normally I feel like in like western quote unquote culture, we're taught that the airy part of our consciousness is basically it, right? Like the emotions, the body, like all of that stuff is removed and it's sort of considered like another thing entirely. And then there's the real you, quote unquote, right? Which is like the part of you that thinks in language. Um, and I think that that part is like, is air. And in a more rarefied sense, it's also like gnosis, right? The like sudden under, like understanding, like clarity, that kind of stuff when something just like refined, unrefined, like full thought just like shows up and you're like, oh, like the aha moment, like that's air. Um, yeah, communication, right? The way that these two, the way that two units that are thinking these thoughts can communicate between each other. It's the medium through which language travels, right? Here I am mm. making little sound waves <laughs> wiggle into my mic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seems like a start. Yeah. Yeah. That's, mm. that's a, place where I tend to start is like air is what connects us it's what connects all of us it's literally like that thing that substance mm-hmm. <laughs> in between <laughs> everything and all that is um, at least in, in the physical realm and then it's it's how like you said it's how sound um, travels and yeah it it carry it connects us in that way too from this language, <laughs> so many hands, <laughs> from this language um, perspective as well. Colin, how about you? What, what comes to mind with air? Uh, the first word that I thought of, because I was just talking to an Aquarius before uh, we started talking, was levity. levity. I, I really appreciate how air can introduce just a quality of like, oh my God, don't take yourself so seriously. Just lighten up, right? And um, I I was reading a book about the trickster archetype, like the kind of like Mercury Hermes energy. And uh, what I was learning was that in traditional uh, indigenous, uh, any sort of ritual or routine that was emerging in in particular civilizations, one could not, the, the community could not pray or have a serious conversation unless the jester, the trickster, or the comedian started because they believed you could not pray unless you laughed. What's the what's that book out of curiosity? The trickster archetype. I know the first name is John. I will find out and get right back to you. I, I learned it through um, the Myth the Blast. Emerald? Um, the Emeralds? No, it's like the trickster. 
I'm going to get it. But I just thought that was like absolutely magnificent of just like we couldn't we can't have serious conversations or engage in spiritual activity unless we laugh first. And mm. I just love that idea. So I connect deeply to air when I'm laughing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's Laughter like, is a good one. Right? The full yeah. energy too. And that like fills you with air too. Like true, fills you true, with true, bubbles true, almost. True, 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 true. true. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. The levity piece is huge. Like when you think air, you think of the fact that it rests above the surface mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it air rises. Right. So we, we are in this sort of you could say masculine, you could say diurnal element of like being lifted. Yeah. yeah. Um, as opposed to the earth and water who sink, you know, who have density to them, gravity to them or mm-hmm. at least gravity. Um, affects them in a different way. Um, Jared, how about you? Yeah, well, I feel like I'm just listening and learning, first of all, but um, um, <laughs> which is a very air thing to do, I suppose. Um, so I'm thinking about how there's a sense of like flexibility with air, and I and I'm and I try to in when I'm thinking about astrology, I try to distinguish it from mutability, right? And there's I think it's ra- rather than like adapting it's more of uh, an ability to traverse you know air mm. is sort of all around us all the time i think it's interesting that air is invisible um that probably has something to say about it um mm. and, but then mm-hmm. uh maybe it's maybe it's my virgo but i like to break things down and just remember like we're talking about astrology we're talking about the element of air we're essentially just talking about these three signs it's these three signs which have a trine relationship and that is at the most basic level, that is what air signs are, right? That is what the element mm-hmm. of air is, um, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. But, and that makes me kind of think about um, the triplicity rulers of, of the air element, um, Saturn, Mercury. And Jupiter. <laughs> Why am I doing that? Saturn, Mercury, it. and Jupiter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saturn, I'm like looking at my table up there. Um, and and yeah, I, when I think about at least Saturn and Jupiter, especially Mercury, I can talk about in a second, but Saturn and Jupiter, Jupiter and Saturn, I like to keep things in order. Um, <laughs> Smart. Are, um, they have this, you know, they're, they're, they're far away. Is one thing I want to talk about the fact that they, these two planets are so far away, um, and have so much to do with distance and perspective, um, which I think is a big thing with air being able to, like you said, levity, being able to lift up and see things from this bird's eye view or this um, perspective that isn't so in the weeds, in the muck of it, um, not so getting your hands dirty. It's like let's lift up and. And um, view this from, you know, a greater perspective, being able to not get so, yeah, not just be so down and dirty with it, I guess. Yeah. And so that is something that I really associate with air. And then Mercury, too, obviously way closer um, to us, to Earth, than, than Jupiter and Saturn. But Mercury, similar to what Jarrett was saying, like, has this ability to transverse, to traverse, traverse, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and move in between different realms in a way that no other planet slash deity is able to. 
Um, so yeah, again, this ability to sort of like Mercury, especially, is able to kind of get in and get out, and you know, yeah, get in and get out, be able to like experience things on a more physical level, um, and then pull out and look at things on a more you know invisible, intangible level as well. Huck, did you have something to say about that? I think that's just so cool because it's like Jupiter and Saturn are the traditional planets who are furthest from the sun, right? So, and it's like, mm -hmm. like air language, like the intellect, like that's the capacity to like distill concepts that are just like way too big for like the human mind and bring it down to earth, right? Through speech, right? And through, mm -hmm. through language. I love that. I think when you, if you're talking about the triplicity rulers, I was thinking about this, how it's so interesting how air signs are diurnal, like fire, but with, with air signs, you sub out the sun for Mercury mm. in terms of triplicity mm. rulership. And I think it's interesting because, mm -hmm. you know, the air signs, you have the fall of the sun, you have detriment of the sun. And there, which is not, you know, a bad thing per se, but, but it speaks to sort of that those qualities we were just talking about are sort of elevated above um, mm embodiment and radiance and all those those things that we would associate with the sun. Um, and there's a sort of, uh, in that sense, I don't want to say objectivity because air signs can be, they don't have to necessarily be objective, but they are, there is a um, potential for detachment, especially on like an <laughs> ego level, in order to engage directly with ideas. Totally. Yeah, like sort of exactly what Kira was just saying about not having to be down and dirty. Like you can literally just exist in the theoretical, like yeah. unmoored from like actual conditions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which unmoored is sometimes not even. Yeah, I'm I like this that. is like bringing up my my issues with dating so many Gemini's. <laughs> right. <laughs> the the issue, advocate proposition, right? Where it's like it doesn't even. It's like actual conditions are irrelevant. I'm just going to talk about this <laughs> as if it's a theoretical thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a big part of it is like being able like you said to exist in that space of like I don't know, what what was what was the word you used? Like um yeah, just being able to to exist in a space where you're not really touching down, like um that's something that I've had other I've had friends kind of describe some of the, I've dated a lot of air signs, um, <laughs> describe some like when, you know, when I'm dating Gemini's or Libras or something, um, how I've had different friends describe different past, you know, relationships and lovers as like, yeah, they just seem to sort of orbit around you or circle around you without ever fully touching down. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like air signs just have this ability to kind of float about and you know, come in and come out. You know, at their at their leisure, <laughs> like hummingbird energy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, which also so. I learned in I remembered the Trickster book. By the way, it's Trickster Makes the World. Yeah, I learned about that on the Emerald podcast. I literally have it pulled up on on Amazon right now to like send to my Kindle. I'm 
But I'm really it's, wanting to read that. It's very good. Yeah. And of course, like I was reading it during the solar eclipse in Gemini, but then when Mars went into Leo and then Mars entered Virgo, I was like reading James Clear's Atomic Habits and, you know, everything about personal courage. So I didn't get a freaking chance to finish it so air, but it is very, <laughs> very, very, very good. Um, and I was thinking when you were saying about like air signs orbiting, um, especially with Mars and Sag right now, about this like notion of um, what couples counselors call the comfortable distance required for like healthy relationship because mm. it gives us the space to hear and understand while respectfully disagreeing and maintaining connection. Oh, like there's enough of the medium for like th thoughts to travel through. Thoughts to travel mm -hmm. th and for me to understand without agreeing. I mean, it's this novel idea called I hear you and I disagree <laughs> and I'm connected. God forbid, <laughs> you know, and that's I think Terrifying. what our signs can do as opposed to us just like leveraging the fact that like, hey, let's let's prioritize differentiation. You can believe in here mm -hmm. and stay and be wherever you want. So can I. And how through differentiation can we maintain connection? And it's not a riddle. It's actually like what couples <laughs> therapists help people do, you know? So, yeah, I, I feel that I very much appreciate that air energy and sensibility in my relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. And that just makes me think about the Saturn transit through Aquarius. I've personally, like, I have Venus in Libra, and Saturn trining my Venus from Aquarius has been this huge lesson around distance in relationships and how mm -hmm. um, and how much better it's been making a lot of my relationships to have that sort of distance. Um, and, and by that, I mean like long, long distance relationships, you know, like mm. communicating or keeping up a relationship with someone who is across the country or in another country even. Um, and how, yeah, I didn't realize how necessary of a piece that, is to my relationships to like keep them functioning, um, to not always be so, yeah, I don't know. I was dating a water sign before with like a lot of earth and water and it was like oh, too God. much too fast almost. Whereas like the distance with dating air signs long distance has been like, you know, the, the pace of it has been so much more, it's been so different. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point too. Just the, the literal distance, um, which makes me think a lot about Saturn and mm -hmm. <clears throat> like the, uh, the opposition aspect, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which is of Saturn and, and yeah, how with oppositions, you do get that, that distance, um, or I think with oppositions, you need distance in order yeah. to see clearly, um, and, and mm. objectively, yeah. Okay. I think we should get into it. Yeah. I think we should start talking about what have the we been doing signs. all this whole time? I thought we were getting into it. Was this just a foreplay? We're, we're, we're going to yeah, flitting. Okay. Yeah. What the fuck's been going on this whole time? No, let's get into it. Let's get even more into it. Let's go, baby. Um, I've been starting with cardinal, all the cardinal signs for each of these series. Um, and I should say, I didn't, I didn't go through this before, but I've done this for the last two episodes. So I just want to kind of backtracking a little bit here, but. If you hopefully listen to Earth and Water um, episodes too, but if you haven't, I just want to quickly explain um, the conceptual framework of the order of the cosmos or the order of the spheres um, to sort of, yeah, kind of explain why I'm ordering the episodes in the way I have. Um, and so essentially the order of the spheres or the order of the cosmos um, speaks to an order of 
mm, the layers of the universe, you could say. I don't know. I'm not saying that in the best way right now. Um, this Mercury talisman's not helping as much as I wish <laughs> it was. But no, I tracked. Basically, I was just impressed. I was like, oh, you don't say. <laughs> um, and basically, we're looking at this, again, framework where divinity um, or God or heaven or the ether is everything that exists beyond, you know, the realm of the stars. And that's considered perfect, um, divine. And then we get into the realm of the stars, the fixed stars, the constellations, as we descend closer and closer to Earth. So after the stars, we get into the realm of the seven heavenly spheres, the planets, um, where we go from Saturn to Jupiter to Mars to the sun, Venus, Mercury, Moon. And then we get into um, the, the elemental spheres, those of Earth, the sublunar spheres. Um, and those elements are even ordered and ranked as well based on density. So... We have earth at the center, um, the densest element, and then water, and then air, and then fire. So I wanted to start with earth to sort of give us a nice stable foundation, um, and then water to like nourish us a bit. And now we're at air, pull back a little bit more, um, viewing things from this, you know, from, from the cloud and very objectively and rationally. And then we'll get into it our fire, our fire signs in the next episode. Lift off um, to space. Yeah, lift off, exactly. So yeah, to begin, I want to start with cardinal air because that's what we do. Um, you know, cardinal signs begin things, so we might as well start there. And with that, we'll, we'll begin with Libra. So Jared, curious about your thoughts around Libra as an air sign, a cardinal air sign. Yeah, so let's see. Let's think about all of the things that we can say about Libra, just to start with, like the building blocks. It's a cardinal sign. It's an air sign. It's ruled by Venus. Um, Saturn has its exaltation in Libra. Have I covered all the basics there? Um, I think yeah, so. Um, I think so. So I guess you, you throw all those things together um, and you get a lot of the sort of basic statements that you'll hear about Libra. People with Libra placements, Libra suns, etc., like to create or generate harmony, right? That's kind of the main narrative you'll hear about Libra. Um, I think that another piece to Libra is, and this this to me is the, the real cardinal air thing as opposed to the Venus part, which is really seeing the potential in ideas, um, and having the impulse to to kind of get the ball rolling on on various ideas. I mean, ideas is a pretty big topic, so that can mean a lot of things. <laughs> lot of things. But, um, but I think um, when you put that together put with that together. the 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 Venus part, um, particularly considering that this is one of the two signs ruled by Venus, right? Uh, Taurus being the other one. I think in Libra you see a lot of sort of artistic flair, um, and in it tends to. I feel like Libra people tend to lean a little more verbal in the way that they, you know, engage with the arts. Um, you look at a lot of famous Libras, and there's a lot of writers, um, musicians, singers, musicians, et cetera. Singers, but et cetera. Um, 
not to not to reduce it or generalize, but I think it's it's just kind of a useful starting point to think about that stuff. Um, and as a Libra myself, I can say that I I think that there's some merit to the idea that there's a kind of compulsive need for symmetry and balance, um, oftentimes subjugating the ego uh, in order to create, you know, get, getting back to that creating harmony. Um, and I think that's why it's also the, the fall or depression of the sun in traditional astrology, because there's sort of not only an impulse, but a capacity to override um the needs of the self um or to set aside the needs of the self for the uh i wouldn't say the collective so much as the relationship right it's mm. i think it's more about the the libra person and the person they're engaging with as opposed to the libra person and the world right because what, mm. it is that, what it is that um the symmetry or balance that a libra person or libra as a you know free floating idea is trying to create is more it's about sort of respond it's it's responsive it's about responding to a situation or moment um as opposed to you know we'll get into aquarius i think i think aquarius has a different sort of relationship to to those things um i'll i'll leave it at that because i'm sure everybody else has good things to say yeah i love that i love that Um, last sentence yeah yeah libra for me has so much to do with the arts and um in a way that's slightly different from that of taurus venus's other domicile um because i think again when we when we go into the air element it's so much about sharing and connecting um, and I find that Libras, artistic Libras, which, you know, for the record, I've dated like so many Libras. Lucky you. <laughs> My Venus being there. I mean, it's just like I've not even just dated, but I've just been I've just been involved with so many Libras and all and met all of them in art school. Right. So. <laughs> So um, it's a great so place yeah, to just, find Libras is art school. Yes, a lot of really cute Libra boys in art school. Of course. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think a big part of it is this connecting with others through this, like through art. Um, music especially feels especially Libran to me. Um, I think that's a big part of my Venus and Libra and any sort of Venus transits I have usually correspond with something having to do with music. Um, And usually that's like, you know, being like remembering an old song that I used to be obsessed with or finding some new music that I'm now newly obsessed with. Um, But yeah, there's just something about connecting through art, the medium of art. Um, Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, talking to someone with a bunch of Libra placements right now, and they just sent me a playlist. Like, just cute shit like that is so Libra. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And, yeah, Colin or Hawk, do you have have anything that kind of pinged in your mind after what Jared said? Um, I just kind of, like, jump, like, pinging off of what both of you have said about, um, like, sort of, like, the art school and... Uh, sharing between each other with art. How how do you share art 
right? I feel like Taurus shares art by like literally being like, behold, right? Look at it, right? (laughs) It's like, it's very, it's like, it's, it's actual, right? Mm. Whereas in art school, right? We we would, one would learn like all of these theoretical frameworks to talk, to discuss it, to think about it, varying terms, right? That allow us to bridge that gap between minds. Um, yeah, so I feel like it's Venus made theoretical and that's what aesthetics is as like a field of study and understanding design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Design and aesthetics. Exactly. Libras are master yeah. as- aestheticians, not aestheticians, but I'm sure they'd be amazing Probably at that are. too. Cause I mean, learning about <laughs> how to do beauty. Great. Nailing Give me it. this yeah. extraction. Yeah, and I loved what you said, Jared, about the responsiveness of Libra. I was like, Mm. uh, just a a flash of all the Libras that I love. Like, we're just (laughs) me too. Yeah. Oh my God, that is exactly what the. And then I was, I was thinking actually about how that's a a beautiful cardinal trait. Mm -hmm. But the expression of that through Libra was, I just thought of my godmother, my mother, and her Libra moon, and all of my Libra friends. They just, they'll look you right in the eye and respond to what you're thinking and feeling and and experiencing. And they have just a beautiful way of making you feel known. Mm. And just Mm -hmm. like, how can I meet you where you're at and help you or support you or do whatever I can? And it was just beautiful. I almost got emotional, actually. Yeah, me too. I actually saw like my my Libra bestie in my head and I was just like, wow, that's really like that thing. (laughs) Those bitches are responsive. Oh my God, I gotta be responsive to the fucking responsiveness now. Oh my God. It's like what you said about it being like the person they're engaging with and not like Libra mm. and the world. Like that's like Aquarius wants to understand the whole system, but right. like just as you say, like Libra wants to understand like the personal you. Like And I think and I think that's related yeah. to the sort of contrariness contrarianness of Libra. Um and I I think all the air signs have a different relationship yeah. to being contrarian and they all have a way of being <laughs> having like a devil's advocate. Um, capacity or approach to dialogue. So true. Um, but the Libra way, I think, is rooted in th- in that idea that it's like, who am I talking to right now? Um, how do I, you know, how do I meet them halfway? What? How can I be diplomatic? Um, how can yes. I, yes, ex- you know, achieve harmony? Sometimes to a fault. Sometimes in a way that becomes uh, problematic for, you know, the Libra person or for the other person. You know, if mm-hmm. it's like trying being very conflict avoidant uh sweeping things under the rug not saying right. what you really feel so not saying what you really <laughs> mean um or getting like um, steamrolled by a more assertive personality or getting steamrolled by a more assertive personality yeah. exactly um those are not you know toxic traits but they are things that um uh, not necessarily anyway um but they are things that need to be wrestled with um that's where that's where the fall of the sun and the detriment of Mars come oh, in. The detriment of where Mars. Where you don't get that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't get that direct. Um, I mean, Mars wants to. Mars wants to make decisions. I think that's one thing um, I think about with Mars in detriment is that it has a way harder time making clear, direct decisions when it's in Venus's signs, because Venus is signed, well, the environment of Libra specifically asks, okay, what's going to be good for you and me? You know, what's going to, what's the compromise between, um, you know, what I want and what you want? And Mars is like, 
Mars would rather not have to <laughs> rather not have to consider what you want. It's like yeah, what I want. Him. Yeah, exactly. It's like now I have to I have to juggle both of both of our needs. Like what? Um, how about you take care of your own needs and I'll take care of mine. Like that's what Mars would prefer. Um, like splitting but up yeah, in Libra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and exactly what you were saying. I mean, similarly with the sun. Um, the sun is about shining, you know, one's own luminance and um, mm. being seen in one's own light. And in the environment of Libra, it's not just about you. It just isn't. It's about us. It's about we. Um, and and yeah, I think coming from just kind of building off of that, something that I think about a lot with Libra is fairness um, and and that's where we kind of pull in Saturn's exaltation in Libra around like law and order, mm-hmm. um, which the United States has Saturn in Libra. <laughs> Natally, we are a land that uses that phrase a lot, law and order. Um, but yeah, just thinking about how Libra is also associated with law mm-hmm. um, and, and again, fairness and what the, the theoretical idea around like you know, making laws and and rules and regulations um, that that are fair, that are just, that are balanced. Um, and of course, that's not you know, it's not a perfect system, but that is something that Libra is very concerned about. Like, what is going to be what's what's the fair and just thing for all involved? Mm. Like, if you were the person across from me, like, how would I want this to go? And justice is the tarot yeah. card of like that is connected to Libra. Yeah, exactly. And the scales, you know, in the, ju- in the justice card, you'll usually see someone, the blind, blind lady of justice mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, with holding the scales, um, which, yeah, of course, the scales are associated with Libra and, and yeah, weighing things out. And I think that really connects or c- calls or what am I trying to say? <laughs> that evokes the evokes. qualities of Libra, which are really not remotely wishy-washy and mm. and and are not subject entirely to people pleasing. You know, their um, mm-hmm. Libra so placements true. use their kind of diplomatic um, abilities and qualities in order to push into that territory of justice and creating a a greater harmony and sometimes in a very critical way. I mean, if we're speaking about Saturn, Saturn is, it can be a very critical planet. Um, And there's a lot of, there are a lot of Libras out there who don't uh, exactly match the stereotype of the, (laughs) you know, superficial, um, yeah, um, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of, critical and satirical energy to be found in Libra um, and in mm-hmm. in prominent Libras in the world. Um, if you just do a quick it makes survey. Me think of, it makes me think of Kim Kardashian <laughs> who kind of does, bo- does like both. embodies both sides in a way uh-huh. where she does have like the bimbification, totally. you know, and I'm not saying that in like a derogatory way at all like i'm no Venus bimbo, and Libra here. I'm, off of, I'm all i'm all for bimbo vacation yeah bimbo you have that I side but then you also have the side of her that's like 
you know, studying law and and really truly concerned. I mean, absolutely. You know, I don't know if she's truly concerned. Maybe it is just for publicity, whatever. But it seems that she is concerned um, with these, yeah, injustices that she's been doing doing work to fight against. Yeah. Um, and she yeah. does absolute drive-bys. Like, the clips I see of her on, on the Kardashians, like, to Jared's point about the poignant uh, satirical criticism of Libra, like, uh, just absolute assassinations from Ken K. a good point, yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm yeah, always interested so in sort of pairing... If somebody has the sun in Libra, I always want to know where they have Mercury because it can only be in three places. <laughs> And it's going to tell you a lot. I mean, I want to know the whole chart, right? But it's interesting to think about that there are a few different kinds of Libra suns. You know, there's there's three decans of Libra, or there's other ways to subdivide the sun, uh, the sign. And then there's only going to be three Mercury placements. Um, and, you know, I have, I, have I have the sun in Libra, but I have Mercury in Scorpio. And so I think I definitely mm-hmm. lean toward that more sort of edgy side. Of, of of Libra, um, you know, I share that with like Eminem. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if you think about, if you start thinking about the different ways, not only the the sign can you know represent can manifest in so many ways because you got all the planets going through each sign, but mm-hmm. but even if we're just talking about sun signs, there's so many different sort of variations, and I think it's important to like remember all the different ways it can come through. Definitely. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up about Libra that we kind of touched on earlier talking about aesthetics and design, but I just keep coming back to it. I think it was Charles Obert in one of his books um, on like the seven classical planets or whatever, the, or significations of the planets, I forget. But I remember him saying um, about how Venus thinking about the order of the spheres and how it goes the sun and then Venus um, and how Venus is able to, has this way of like diffusing the light of the sun, the the brilliant, beautiful light of the sun. Venus comes in and diffuses it in a way that makes it palatable. I can't say that word. Palpable, palatable and beautiful, you know? And you think about Venus as this this planet that introduces moisture Mm. um, and coolness um, and yeah, taking that harsh, intense light of the sun and, and diffusing it in a way that's like, you know, it can, I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a photographer, I study photography. So thinking about it as like a beauty dish almost, or like a Holy, soft box, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah, just how with Venus and Libra specifically, um, yeah, just again, the artistic ability, the aesthetic ability of the sign, um, it's just that's a big that's a big piece of it for me. It's just making Venus or Libra, I think, in general, is able to take what might be a little bit harsh mm-hmm. or stark and make it pal. I can't say that word. Palatable. Pal- is that the that word? That is the word. Mm-hmm. Palatable for for um, for people to digest and and to interact with. And it gives dimensionality too, because if you that's that's what like the interplay of light and shadow does. Is it like adds right? Like depth of field. Mm -hmm. And if you think about Libra as the fulcrum of the equinox, right? The place where the sun and Saturn, the dark, the most dark planet and the brightest, right? 
have their fair in equal share. Love so it's it. like a place where you can like wield that for arts purposes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And in a very vulgar way, I just want to give Libra the prize that there is no shadier sign than Libra. <laughs> speaking of blocking out the sun, okay. Every yeah. time a Libra talks about somebody, I'm like, "Did you just insult them?" No. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, "Hun, you just insulted them." You know, so <laughs> a Libra That's so true. casts just a very good shade. You know, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. of like a brilliant. This isn't a shade. This is a total uh, drag, but. Uh, Gore Vidal has said that the United States of America should be named the United States of Amnesia because we just forget our history. So just the ways that Libras just drop those drive-bys, like you said, Hawk. Yeah. I mean, Kim, Kim K, by the oof. way, is a is a Mercury in Scorpio. I'd look oh, it up I was hoping quick. you looked we're, it up. We're okay. quite dangerous. All right, so Eminem and Kim Kardashian is how you need to refer to yourself and just uh, announce. Don't you see the resemblance? Come on. Your new Twitter bio, Eminem and Kim Kayla. I think this is why Sam Reynolds includes Libra in the, quote, Zodiac Mafia. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And he's a Venus in Libra, so, you know, he wants Mm -hmm. to sit at the table. I'm like, you know what, Sam? Come on. (laughs) I love Sammy. True, true. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think that wraps. I mean, does anyone have any other last minute? Not last minute, but does anyone have any other things to share about Libra? I feel I've like I've been having a very Libra thought, which is I'm like, have we spent too much time talking about Libra? Oh my God! Right? <laughs> is everyone gonna get their fair share? Is everyone share? gonna get their fair? <laughs> everyone, as no. if each of us is like of the us. living embodiment of the sign. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. We are. That's why um, we're here. Yeah. I think we can move on then. Let's let's move on to fixed Auto fixed fly, air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Happy so birthday! Early sign. birthday, belated Thank birthday. You. Yeah. yeah. When's your birthday? Thirty first. Oh, okay. 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 Oh, okay. So coming up, coming up. Whoop, whoop. After way, yeah, way before this airs. But happy almost birthday. Happy almost Hawk. birthday. Um, so yeah, Aquarius, our fixed air sign ruled by Saturn. Take it away, Hawk. What do you have to share about Aquarius? Um, okay. (laughs) Uh, the contrarian Aquarian, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Aquarius is in some ways, the whole Zodiac, right, is defined by its relationship to the sun. It's literally Mm -hmm. the path of the sun, the perceived path of the sun, um, and the sun's domicile is Leo, which is as far as you can possibly get away from Aquarius. So that's where you get this like natural signification of the opposer, which is sometimes in modern astrology uh, described using Uranus, right, as the modern ruler. But traditionally, Aquarius is ruled by Saturn. Um, so it's not that Aquarius is rebelling against these like Saturnine laws. It's rebelling against the order of the sun. Um, which is like the way that society, everyone manifests, right? It's like looking at it from its its vantage point of the farthest away distance and being like, I'm not sure that that's it. Like, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, totally. So I think we get concepts like uh, intellectual scaffolding with Aquarius because it's like Saturn rules structures. And when you run air through Saturn, right, you get like philosophies, right, like full scale, like religious ideologies, ideology in general, like full scale ways of thinking about reality. Um, Yeah. 
cosmologies, mm-hmm. right? Any of these, any of these structural ways of thinking about a thing. Um, I feel like Aquarius talks about that. Yes. Yeah. That's a big one for me with Aquarius. It's just like, I think of systems, but in a different way from like maybe Virgo systems, which are very, um, which a lot more granular and, you know, down to earth. It's about what the pieces of the puzzle that, you know, come together. It's it's applicable to something. Yeah. Yeah. More tangible, useful system in that way. Whereas with Aquarius, we're, again, we're coming, we're pulling back. Mm -hmm. We're going wide scale with Saturn. Um, And I always think about, you know, sitting on top of a little cloud and just looking at things from from a bird's eye view when it comes to Aquarius. And um, yeah, we're looking at social systems with Aquarius. We're looking at, um, like you said, our intellectual systems, our ideologies, um, but I always come back to social systems mm-hmm. and, um, and just, and I guess boundaries in general, when we're talking about Saturn, but with Aquarius, we're talking about, um, again, like the boundaries of our, of our social system. So with that, I, I always picture Aquarius's as on the margins of society. And that's where you get the you know, the outcast archetype with Aquarius. It's not, I don't, I don't find Aquarius is necessarily be outcast. It's just that they exist on margins in a way where they have perspective. Um, They have the perspective of being either pushed up against the edges, like on the outside or actually on the outside of whatever systems and structures um, are in place. And so they have a lot of perspective and therefore a lot of ideas um, around how, how to fix these structures, how to fix these social structures because of, again, their perspective um, from being distant, from being on the margins in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rebelling against the order of the sun, just to like bring on in the like dark side of Aquarius, like the surveillance state, I feel like is an interesting example of, of Aquarian mm-hmm mentality where it's like okay the freedom of the individual right that's like a that's a solar value it's like this has to be subjugated for security right for safety Mm -hmm. like we need to be able to listen and watch you Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so like using data and information as a way to quote unquote protect i'm like very vehemently against the surveillance day it's one of my pet peeves as an aquarius right mm-hmm. <laughs> ever the contrarian i'm even like this specific aquarius thing is garbage um <laughs> yeah that's such a great point though i always bring wow. that up yeah. when it's like oh the age of aquarius it's coming it's gonna be great i'm like it's here baby <laughs> like yeah it's our it's been here <laughs> have bad news, <laughs> bad news. yeah <laughs> we're in it Welcome. There's lots of great things about us, right? Obviously, I'm very pro Aquarius, but I I think it's really important to to just think about the the ways that, like, especially with Saturn and Aquarius, right? We're seeing like the macro structure right now, um, getting to play that out without a lot of without a lot of breaks on it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, especially now that Jupiter's gone, we just have Saturn running into Uranus a couple times, but still overcoming so Saturn still wins this this round yeah like the concept <laughs> um, of borders too which is like n- a non-real thing right oh my god it's like a deeply theoretical construct even though we totally think of it as real a lot of the time because we put these things in between us like checkpoints etc 
but right. it's like it's fake ultimately <laughs> you're you're overlaying an intellectual scaffolding on what would otherwise be continuous space to create mm. a gap between the two right hashtag fuck all borders <laughs> um. <laughs> yep i love it i love it all right, we're dismantling um, surveillance state. We're dismantling borders. <laughs> we're, we're making progress. I love it. Exactly. <clears throat> Jared or Khan, do you have do you have thoughts about Aquarius you you want to share? Um, a word that's coming up for me when you were when you were saying you were kind of toying with the idea of outcast. Um, another word that comes up is outsider. Um, that just that just was popping off in my brain. Um, mm. And I think that's related to that sense of perspective and being on the margins is like, you know, cause I think one of the most interesting things and most interesting debates in astrology is, is especially between, you know, traditional and modern astrology and setting aside the rulership question is this, the idea of what is the relationship, um, what is the relationship with Aquarius to the collective um, you know, does right. Aquarius embody the collective or does Aquarius stand apart from the collective? Um, does it rebel against the collective? You know, cause if you, th if you th look at some mm. sort of popular understandings of Aquarius in like the 20th century, I think they veer toward like a, an oversimplification of like, Aquarians are social and they like, um, right. um, they, they think about the group, whatever. The yeah. And there, yeah. there's this whole thing about their humanitarian. And it's, I think that sort of does a disservice to the extreme individualism of Aquarius people, which is really has more to do with what we were talking about as, uh, it being the, you know, the opposite sign of Leo of the sun's domain and thus you know, technically the mm. detriment of the sun. Um, and mm. so there's that, that to me is, is what the, the outsider complex of Aquarius is really about. Um, mm. Exile is another word that I use. I mean, that's obviously like a, that's another alternative to like the way that we even say detriment, like the condition of essential dignity is to talk about exile. And I feel like Aquarius is the prototypical exile. Yeah. But then with mm -hmm. that, there I mean, yeah. I, I say all this not to deny the idea that Aquarius has a strong relationship to the collective, because I think that is the other aspect of it being, you know, of Aquarius opposing Leo, is that it is the elevation of the yeah. collective yeah. above the individual. And yet, yeah, just any, like Libra. And yet any yeah. actual Aquarius, any individual Aquarius is going to... Uh, experience or pursue that in a way which is highly individualized. So it's that and that axis of individual and collective. Unlike Libra, I feel like, so what you said about Libra being like, oh, it's about us, it's about you and me, like f the difference between fall and exile, like fall and detriment is like fall is sort of on the down and outs, but still inside the system. Right. So it's like you could compare it to a person who doesn't have like it's like someone who doesn't have access to like the resources they need, like at a job or something, but they're still like in the job. Right. Mm. Whereas an, an Aquarius is like, fuck you, I'm starting my own company. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> like they are fully exiting the space. So it's like we are totally collectivist, but in mm. a way where it's like not this collective, though, like fuck this collective. 
Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, right, like right off the bat, right starting to describe the sign, I was just like, uh, this is the nature of our current collective, the surveillance state, right? The concept of borders. And it's like, I am definitely a collectivist, but it's not that one, right? Like that's the Leonine yeah. order that we mm-hmm. currently mm-hmm. exist under where it's like the quote unquote main character order. It gets to be the default, the default norm, right? And like the exile status of Aquarius is is conditional. It's it's defined based on what normativity is. Like if a, if an Aquarius child was born into a punk family, right? The exile status of that Aquarius would be to like be like, I want to wear boat shoes and join the rowing team or like whatever. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not just like yeah, it's 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 conditional based on based on the frame. So I always feel like that whole like my whole thing has always been like I want to like go buy like a big thing of land and like have all of my friends like come and live on it. Right, mm. we'll build like the new, like the compound. Right, it's the Aquarius dream. It is the yeah. Aquarius dream. We'll have our little exile compound. Like, I want a space where we can all be Aquariuses together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's my Saturn in Aquarius. I feel like um, that is that's sort of like the Aquarius dream in that in that perspective too. I I relate to that in that way, especially going through my Saturn return. And counseling people going through their Saturn returns who share very similar sentiments, um, which makes me think again about Saturn and its rulership over Aquarius. And like the the word organization keeps coming up for me, um, where it's literally like, you know, I get really frustrated about people taking Saturn away from Aquarius because I'm like, it's literally like about organizing, (laughs) organizing groups of people, which is so Mm. Saturnian, you know, like the Mm. to, um, yeah, to create, to create structures for, for that are inclusive of all people or inclusive of people. Um, yeah, I can say that inclusive of all people, um, that are serving all people. I think that's a big part of Aquarius and Aquarian goals um, is to, you know, when we talk about like um, our utopic visions for the future, even like I think Aquarius thinks, all right, well, I can see the way that these structures are not working for everyone. I can see because I have this perspective that only a certain amount of people are actually benefiting from the structures in place. Right. Um, and everyone out here on, on the margins, you know, are not within these these walls, um, are not benefiting. So how can we create new structures or improve these structures so that we can, you know, we can serve more people? Um, yeah, that's a big one for me with Aquarius. Mm. Colin, do you have thoughts on that or additions to that? Yeah, I was um, thinking ab- about the the literature on belonging and like basically how the researchers are pretty much evenly divided around like you know the the paradox of belonging and so far as and, and we can see this in astrology and like even just the current order of civilization that we are yeah. self sorted like never before and we are really ideologically opposed to so many thinking that we stand for the same thing but what the research is showing that it's not that we stand for the same thing. It's that we hate the same people. (laughs) So it's considered common enemy intimacy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that could be an Aquarian idea around like we're self-sorting based on these counterfeit notions of connection. Right. And I look at Aquarius as an energy that wants to find belonging with a community, but knows that 
in order to find belonging with, say, astrology, sometimes we, the four of us, will have to stand alone. Mm. And then what? But that poses totally. a big risk because anthropologically and neurobiologically, we're hardwired for connection. So in the absence of perceived disconnection, our survival system goes online. So this is serious, right? And when I think of Aquarius, I think of an energy that says, okay, um, I'm happy to be a part of this community, but don't think I'm going to you know, pretend I'm joining a church and I have to protect the gospel and act like we're all just going to be in this chapel of what this version of astrology says or this version of politics or this version of identity, whatever. And I believe that Aquarius knows when it's time to leave and say, you know what, I'm not cool with that. And I'm thinking of the Maya Angelou quote, who I believe was either Jupiter and Aquarius or like, I know Maya had Aquarius somewhere. Right? Yeah. Do, do you know what it is, Shakira, where she I had it? I feel like it's Jupiter, but I think it was I don't Jupiter. Remember. Yeah, because yeah. I thought of the quote when we had the two full moon in Aquariuses last summer. Um, but it was like, I belong everywhere and I belong nowhere. That's Aquarius. And we all have experiences of disconnection and not having belonging, right? That's a part of the shared humanity quality of Aquarius as well. But I think that, you know, then the Aquarius question. It's Mars. Mars. Okay. <laughs> But like above all else, right, with whom do I belong? What does it mean for me to belong to myself? And who supports me standing alone? So they're yeah. tough questions, but I think that's mm. I think that's Aquarius. Yeah, very much so. Wow. I love that you brought up the, the fact that, that we're in some uh, regards like defined by what we are not. Uh, oh, God, yeah, common enemy intimacy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and we've I even never think been about, more self-sorted, and we've never been lonelier. Excuse me. Go ahead. No, I even think about that in terms of like sub, like Aquarius. I really associate with subcultures, right? For this okay. reason, because it's a culture that is literally defined by its outsider status. Um, <laughs> like I even got called out on this in high school. I was supposed to write. This is this is the most classic exiled Aquarian. son experience, right? Okay. I was I was asked to write, we read Walt Whitman's Song of Myself, which, as some of you may know, is like a poem that is just like an ode to selfhood, right? And it's just him describing the, the solar nature of his spirit, right? Here is who I am. And we each had to write one of these. And my exiled son was just like, I can't fucking do this. And I, I was like, went on a rant to my English teacher about, about how I thought this was just like the most difficult, impossible and absurd exercise. And she was just like, what if like she just called me right out because I was a big like high school rebel and she was just like it would appear that normally you are prone to defining yourself not by what you are but what you are not <laughs> and which I thought was just like Shh. like now that I know astrology I'm just like damn that's my key phrase <laughs> it's so Saturn too it's yeah. so like malefic in that way where yeah, it's you're like crossing not things, inclusive it's yeah, you're crossing things out exclusive. to figure out what you are, right? It's like you're making mm -hmm. black spots around potential manifestation to like be like, oh, like here's the core of nothing in in the middle. Negation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was that? Um, I said I'm just thinking about the word negation um, mm, as a Saturn a word. word. Yeah. And um, yeah, I loved I loved mm. Colin. I loved I what you said Colin. about. Sorting people sorting themselves based on who they disagree with, who they don't like. I think that mm -hmm. is the most accurate way to describe the sort of, especially. I mean, I'm thinking about American culture, but the sort of the tribalism that we experience, and that's and that's why it always continues to 
resort itself because mm-hmm. as the winds shift, you find yourself, you know, hating different people. <laughs> you know, twenty years right. from now, I'm like, mm, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dislike somebody different. You know, and yeah. and I think that's, I don't know, I just think that's so interesting. Something else that Something popped else into that my mind as we were talking. Um, I like to, I, 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 sometimes when we talk about Aquarius, we sort of. I feel like it's easy to project, um, like, a, like a an idealized uh, notion of what the principles are of Aquarius as a whole. Um, oh, but in in, in as I was saying earlier, like in any individual, that's going to show up differently. And so sometimes I just like to pop bubbles about Aquarius every once in a while because for every amazing Aquarius, there's a one that people may not like, you know? Um, and one, one example that I love to think about is, you know, somebody who's currently not considered very cool among like, you know, young hip progressive people would be Mike Bloomberg, former mayor of, uh, New York, who is like a, (laughs) has like the most outrageous Aquarius stellium. And he, he, is such an interesting figure because he's so not Leo, you know, he's, he's like, he barely mm-hmm. knows how to like get up on a stage and talk. Um, if he does, he's mostly just kind of like, eh, all you people, I don't know about this. And he, he was entrusted with a lot of power. And I think, you know, one of the, one of his biggest legacies with, which had a kind of global impact was the smoking ban in New York, mm. which then spread to so many other cities. And I think that's such, mm. that's so Aquarius so because it, it really speaks to this uh, paradox and this question of like the rights of the individual versus the rights of the collective, yes. the health of the collective versus the sort of joy of the individual. Can I mm-hmm. smoke in an indoor space if other people don't like it and it's a health risk? And and how do you make mm. that decision? And, and what is your priority, you know? And so that was his priority and that was what he was able to enact. And I agree with that priority. Um, and yet that can play out so differently uh, depending on the situation. And, you know, that, that was one instance was where one I feel like he was on some level speaking to both the marginalized person in that situation who was the non-smoker, right. but also it was popular because that was the majority of people. Um Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's not that controversial to say in many or most other regards, he was not regards. primarily thinking about who was marginalized, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I guess that's what I mean when I say I, f- I think there's a danger of projecting um, morals and ideals moral onto and a beneficence. sign and beneficence onto a yeah. sign. Totally, totally. That's true. Yeah, the humanitarian part piece of that that gets thrown to Aquarius a lot. It's a good example of that because yeah. um, it's not always, I don't know, but for me, one of my favorite phrases for Aquarius is I love you, but don't take it personally because <laughs> Aquarius is love. Maybe love is a big word, but I, I could say that's like love people and humanity in general. I think there's a love and also hate and, you know, so interesting. like frustration <laughs> with humanity. Um, but that doesn't mean that the humanitarians necessary. I think that totally. it's more that Aquariuses are concerned about what affects collectives, what affects us on a collective scale. Um, and 
also I could just say like Aquariuses tend to be pretty friendly people, um, whether whether or not they appear to be or not. I think Aquariuses truly do are, have a lot of curiosity about people. Yep. Yeah. Um, and just like want to talk to all different types of people and kind of, yeah, in a Gemini way of like gaining insight around people. But I feel like Gemini are gathering facts and data. So a little bit more than Aquarius is, which are just like, yeah, I think forming these kind of collective ideas and ideologies around, you know, the human condition yeah. you know, and what, 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 um, yeah, what affects all of us on a more collective scale. Um, and another thing I recognize a lot about Aquarius is love for humanity in a certain way, but also this like undying love for animals. Like there's something about Aquarius and animals that I've noticed throughout, you know, the past decade of me noticing patterns and shit around um, signs Ooh. that Aquarius is just have this thing for animals. And I think part of it is this feeling of, um, yeah, disconnect sometimes with humanity and almost like this connection to this other species that, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, this doesn't have the same sort of, I guess Pisces has a similar sort of connection to animals, but like, doesn't have the same sort of like hangups or um, difficulties, challenges that humanity faces. And I find that Aquarius is find a lot of like solace in their connection to animals. I just, I love, I've never thought of that or this, but like, I feel like there's like an affinity between Aquarius and animals, because if you look at us in the Zodiac, right, which is literally just like a litany of animals, we're like a person, right? <laughs> That's right. And so <laughs> yeah. I think, I always say that it's in my notes, right? What you just said, basically Aquarius is human, not humanitarian. So that's like of our nature, right? And there's no distinction. I mean, if you look at me, if you're watching on camera, right? I'm the Aquarius in the room and I have like two animals on screen right now. I opened this podcast with a cat in my lap. I Come on. I have a snake earring. There's like Come a bull on. head on my shirt. Come and on. I think it's just like, we're just like, you know, it's that thing where it's like the exile of the sun. It's like, I'm not special. Like, we're just like, and I, I've like cried about how much I love people in the same way I've cried about how much I love cats or dogs. I'm just like, Aww. we're so fucking cute. Like, look at us all doing our fucking shit. Like, so adorable. Like, I, it's so sweet. I think about like, I think about it like almost like an anthropologist would, you know, where I'm just like, this mm -hmm. is so fucking cute. Like, I can't believe we all just like get together in like people's gardens and like share <laughs> drinks and stories. Like, that is so fucking cute of us. It's so, it, it, again, it's like that perspective piece too, where you're looking at the whole of, of humans, the whole of, you know, the animal kingdom. Um, that just warmed my yeah. heart so much, that thought. Zoom out. <laughs> I had to bring it up. And before we move on, we do have to move on soon. Um, but one other thing I wanted to bring up about Aquarius is the internet. Again, uh, as this, um, as this, social infrastructure this piece of social social infrastructure that connects all of us um but is also like invisible in a way you know it's like yeah. what is the internet but also very visible like and also alienating it's this it's this and also alienating and also yeah connects us and alienates us oh, like non-vital just a paradox like yeah yeah, yeah. Be with each other but in a way that is not solar there's no like radiating vitality mm -hmm. it's just yeah info. Yeah, this this worldwide 
web that connects us all um, in so many really important ways. But like you said, also non-vital, but also vital. Like there's, there's, there's a lot there, but I had to bring it up because the internet is going through its Saturn return, Saturn and Aquarius. Um, and yeah, it, it's come up a lot. You know, the fact right. that we went into social isolation, <laughs> Saturn and Aquarius, um, right when this pandemic started, and which also, again, aligned with the Saturn return of the internet. Um, and we began to rely on the internet way more than ever before. Not to say that we haven't been relying yeah. on it so much in the past 30 years, but like in ways that we, you know, couldn't even have imagined. That's true. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to bring that up to the internet as this Aquarian um, thing. <laughs> and because it was 94? What, what year was it? No, it couldn't have been because that would have been... I think it was 93. Oh, 93. 93. Okay. And, and this, there's like, you know... I think that was probably when like the first email was sent or something like that. Wow. It's not necessarily like the very beginning of the internet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of the beginning of like the World mm. Wide Web as we know it. I think it was designed by DARPA too, right? Which is like adjacent to the Department of Defense, which is just like classic Aquarian mm. stuff. Like, like, <laughs> it really is. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, that's true. We'll do a whole episode Apparently on the astrology of DARPA. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> we'll leave that one for Chris. Um, <laughs> Chris can tackle that one. Um, let's talk about Gemini. Let's let's get into our mutable air, Gemini. Colin, our our Gemini twin, take it away. That's right. I am a Gemini twin, born two minutes after my Gemini twin sister. Oh my Courtney. gosh, really? Wow. Yeah. So that's so funny. What I have a I have a Virgo, really close Virgo friend, Virgo Stellium, who has a twin sister named Courtney. Oh, nice. And like Mercury, <laughs> so we'll take it. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, Mercury. I have met so many Gemini twins. It's like a, a outstanding. Like Beyonce um, has my a sister. Pair. My sister's a Gemini. Who her best friends are tw- Gemini, Gemini twins. Gemini twins. Mary Kate yeah. and Ashley Olsen, Beyonce's twins. I think you said that, Hawk, right? Or yeah, I didn't know that, Mary yeah. Kate and Ashley were Gemini twins. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. so are um, Laverne Cox and her twin brother. Oh, my God. I didn't so know that. So lots of Cox. weird Gemini twin, twin, twin energy. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, well... I'm actually going to refer to the work of my Virgo comrade here because, man, do I actually worship at the altar of Virgo sometimes. And um, her name is Emily Russo. She's a phenomenal astrologer and a poet, and she's amazing. And she sat me down and she said, you know that Mercutio from Romeo and Juliet is the Gemini figure, right? And I was like... Girl, I did not read that in four, when I was 14, and I'm not going to read it now, you know? And then she just, like, she told me the story that she said, just listen you, okay? And it, 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 what she started with by telling me was that Mercutio got the invite, right? And so if I'm understanding the, the plot correctly, Mercutio was Romeo Montague's best friend, but got the invite to Juliet Capulet's party, so Ooh, got him on the list. Right. Because right. what's the scoop? Gemini knows we're not allegiant to anybody but knowledge, baby. So we zoom in and out, you know. And so she's like, come on, you get the scoop. Gemini got the invite. Mercutio got the invite. And then both in the movie and in the in the story, she told me uh, Mercutio performs for the Capulets. And just at the time that he's performing and joining the Capulets in, in a sense of connection, that's when they realize that. Romeo and his friends got into the party 
And then there was going to be a fight, but then the uh, Juliet's father, the Capulet, Sir Capulet or whatever, said, no, let's just have a moment of standstill and peace because the Mercutio Gemini figure was lifting us from the polarities of either or this or that. They were in that both end space because Mercutio was present. And that's the beauty of Gemini where it's like, you guys really aren't fighting. You're actually just misunderstanding. So can we go into the both end rather than the either or please? Hello. Right. And then there was just many other qualities of the, of the Gemini archetype. Like the fact that uh, when he died, you know, his famous last words were, you know, a plague on both of your houses. And then as soon as, yeah. And then as soon as the messenger, you know, the messenger who shot the messenger, he was literally killed. Um, and then mm. all hell broke loose because the Gemini figure wasn't there as the go-between. Mm. I love right? that so he when, did it in both ways. In oh, the positive that again. way and the negative way. Right. <laughs> boom, boom. And then uh, I just always, when, when she told me that, a part of me felt uh, a little bit more embodied in the Gemini quality of like, that's true, yeah. I, I, I sort of go here, I go there. I have access to many different places, which is like astounding to me. Like, I don't know how, you know? But I guess that's the Gemini quality. And I'm a student of like dialogic structures and safe conversation practices. So I love to learn how to listen and help people communicate themselves in order to maximize understanding and not always cultivate agreement. Because Gemini is not after agreement. I think that's Libra. Because hello, let's sign on the dotted line, Mm -hmm. right? But Gemini is just like, well, wait a minute. So you're asking for this. Is that okay with you? Oh, no, let's go back over here. They actually asked for that. What do you think? You know, and just we lost that art because we're always persuading. And um, I just posted a video about this that a Gemini international relations scholar, but he started as a mathematician. His name was Anatole Rappaport. He has this amazing line. He says, postpone persuasion. I just love that. Like, just postpone persuasion, everybody. Okay? But the follow-up clause was, until you can successfully articulate another person's point of view to their satisfaction. Love that. Mm. That's Gemini. It's like, because I'm not here to win, to lose, to right. I'm wrong. I just want to know what's the scoop? What's going on? What do you think? Tell me. (laughs) Right? Like, sit down. Gather around, baby. Um, so that's, that's how I experienced Gemini. And then in, in the pursuit of mutual understanding, both and energy, leveraging polarities and turning them into complementarities. And that's true to the story of, um, and it's funny, I'm in a city of twins, right? The, the, the mythology of Rome was Romulus and Remus and Castor and Pollux, right? They were fraternal. And I, I think that that's important to remember that they weren't identical. So imbued within the Gemini story are this 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 interesting notion of Gemini twins being different and and not seeing uh, contrast as a problem that needs to be solved, but just to leverage that uh, an energy that needs to be leveraged. Um, and in an attempt to do that, do we really realize that like we're expanding our language? And when we expand our language, we expand our world. Um, I think it was Austrian philosopher Ludwig Bentenstein who said that a limited language means a limited world, and you're only mm-hmm. as limited as your language. So if we're not asking, naming, normalizing, questioning, getting granular, what are we doing? And if we're not doing that in real time, then really what the fuck are we doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And if, if I didn't learn that during the North Zone in Gemini, which is like, I don't want to hear you, you know, dress rehearsing a fight you're going to have or what you wish you said in the shower. It's like, no, bitch, you speak in real fucking time. The only time you have, very Gemini, you know? And so... <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, that's how I experienced this. I, I know we're I don't want to go on too, too long on my Gemini soapbox, but 
I love being a Gemini. I really do. I love that it's provocative. I love that it's disruptive. I love that it really just doesn't give a fuck more often than not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're not here to impress or to try to win any accolades. We just want the scoop. So let's talk. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my number one phrases for Gemini is just like, I just want to know. Like Geminis, you might think they're nosy. You might think whatever. It's like, they just want to know. It's not for, it's not to like use information in any way that might be like, you know, maybe for some, I don't know. But, but generally it's like, they just want to know. The wonder. Yeah. I I think to wonder is a Gemini. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's why I think, you know, we're not afraid to ask questions. I know curiosity is a big liability these days. God forbid we don't know, you know, but it's like, (laughs) I don't fucking care. I'm going to ask, you know, and I think that that's uh, a Gemini quality of just like using the mutable air interaction and, and letting people know what you're asking and letting them self-disclose. It's just, Mm. yeah, I really, I love my sign. I really do. My sun sign, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, the whole fucking thing. The comfort that you're describing with not knowing, I think that's a really cool, like, mercurial piece. Yeah, because we don't make it... Oh, go ahead, excuse me. No, no, please, take it away. Yeah, no, we just don't... We don't take it personally. Like, a lot of us don't know, but, you know, we're all students and teachers, so let's let's not get precious about what we think we know or don't know. Let's (laughs) just fucking ask. Like, I understand, you know? So that's what I love about Gemini, too, is they just know how to navigate and ask and get the conversation going and increase understanding And because they get the invite, you know? And they yeah. can just help yeah. people maintain connection across contrast. I think uh, mm-hmm. we've yeah. never been more polarized, anthropologically speaking, like we said earlier, and I think that Gemini energy theoretically can help us regulate that. And that's Hermes, really, yeah. like, totally. the, again, the ability to to shapeshift mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Into, mm-hmm. into be up in the heavens with the gods and consorting with them, but also come down to earth and right. consort with humans and then also go down to the underworld and, Hang out you with know. you. <laughs> <laughs> Hang out with the Scorpio. Girl, what you doing down here? Get the fuck out, out of here. Hang out here in the, right. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, um, you know, I read, um, by read, I mean, listen to the audiobook of Circe, yes. <laughs> the book, and um, it's, it was so good, and um, the Hermes character, you know, after dating Gemini's, it was like, oh my God, this is so spot what, on, what this it? Hermes character, just the way that Hermes would show up. <laughs> Just like casually, just pop up and like fuck basically, okay. and like give her the scoop around like what was going on in like Olympus or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and it just kind of always like, yeah, popping in, leaving, mm-hmm. coming back, like just this really transient um, vibe to Hermes. And then also, again, never really, never sticking, never really like, you know, um, there's no commitment there, you know. It's very liminal, exactly. The commitment piece is <laughs> it's a hard one, I think. Um, Takes which, us a you know, while. it makes sense. I will yeah, say the quickest way to a Gemini. Gemini's heart, though, ask them thoughtful questions, reflect it back to them, and make them feel known. If they uh, feel known mm-hmm. by you, Gemini is my seventh house, and I'm just like, that feels so relieving in my body when you describe that. I was <laughs> like, ugh. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah. And not to be this boy who's always bringing in the research, but I just posted a video today by Dr. John Gottman, who's been studying, you know, couples laboratory for years. And he puts forward the idea that if you make 50% of your dialogue with your loved ones an open-ended question and, and give them the space to self-disclose and then 
like kind of validated with what's called the appreciation formula. So it's like, oh, when I see you do, you insert behavior here, I think it speaks to the best of your, translate that into a personality trait, right? And I just wanted to let you know, it makes you makes me feel, and then you name your emotion. So that the Gemini mm-hmm. figure can know, it's not just what I do, but it's who I am that you know. You say that, they'll commit so fucking fast, your head will spin. You're going to be like, that was the password? That's all I have to do? But yeah. Then it becomes an exploratory exercise, the relationship does, right? And you still have freedom to explore and to move around, but just within the container of your relationship. And we can edit it. Like Esther Perel says, relationships, when you choose a partner, you choose a story, so write well and edit often. And like, if you have an editing phase. She was the officiant at my... My sister's Gemini best friend, twin wedding. She, she was the officiant at our wedding. I would have passed yeah, out. Yeah. I love her because she <laughs> like know. she goes hard for astrology, which I think probably gets her into hot water with like the TEDx viral speakers. Okay, <laughs> but oh, she don't she give is. a shit. She'll say it. Like I love this. Come on, let's talk about it. So I, hell yeah, Leo. She's a Leo. But what you were saying also just reminded me like of a big Gemini word, which is choice. I think mm. that's a huge thing with Gemini's. Mm. You need to give them options. Like yeah. Gemini's just want options. They want to okay. know. They want options. They just, they just want to know <laughs> options. Yeah. They just have they need they need more than one and oftentimes oh, more than weird. two yeah. um, choices to make or decisions to choose from. Um yeah, Jared, do you have do you have thoughts about Gemini um, you like to I'm share? I'm sort of dazzled. Uh, uh, <laughs> Colin, do you have, do you have Mercury in Gemini? I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Retrograde <laughs> conjunct the Sun in the tenth house. Okay. Well, oh, wow. Hot. Yeah. Um, the yeah, there's the because I feel like the way that you yeah, are demonstrating you the the sort of fluidity and comfort with um information and verbalizing ideas like just so then the quickness, the quickness. you know of gemini because that's that's one of the primary <laughs> qualities of gemini is just fast you know um yeah. fast and adaptable, fast and adaptable. Um, but but also but, like but also you know like, always having you know, a quote ready, ready to go oh um, forget it it's just not everybody <laughs> just can not just do that just do you know it's something yeah. that, that you know I think oh, needs to be acknowledged, um, and that is so. There's there's an aspect of Gemini which I think also is about skill. Um, yeah, skill and dexterity. Yeah, which yeah. is a Mercury mm. thing, you know. Because and there's two hands, right? You got the like the the double bodied situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that there's that aspect of being a quick study, um, being observant, mm. but but. But I find that Geminis Geminis are observant in a way where they don't get bogged down, which is more of a Virgo quality. That's the Virgo side of of Mercury. It's like, okay, but I need to keep studying. I need to keep learning. I need to keep trying to do this. Gemini is like, okay, I got enough. I can roll with this. Um, I'm good. Yeah. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna repurpose it. I'll bring it here, which is also is something that I that I that I see you doing. Right? Is like mm. taking. Um, like taking research from one field and sort of adapting it and finding a use for it. Um, So I don't know. Jack of all trades energy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which can be problematic. But I try to attribute as often as I can. That's why I'm always like, this person said, I don't want anybody, I don't want to be the Gemini plagiarizer. I do that too. I have Mars, I have Mars and Gemini and I'm like, I'm like pulling things and citing things and like, 
yes, I put work cited in my Instagram videos because I'm like, bitches, this Good. did not come <laughs> from awesome. me. Yeah, I'm like, go to the original source over here. Thank you. It's so, a good practice. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. As for Jack oh, of all trades, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just I was just going to call myself out for my Gemini midheaven and the Jack of all trades thing can. The, the, the problem side the of problem that is when you, just can't, is when you just can't like make up your mind, you know, <laughs> but so, so <laughs> like in my case, it's like, I can't make up my mind about what I'm doing, uh, yeah. in some, in so many, and not just like, what am I doing with like, my life? But then in that subset of my life, what am I doing even in that area of my life? Which, what's my focus? Mm. What's my, mm. um, and I think that mm. can, can be, uh, you know, Gemini's can, can get pretty can distracted. Get pretty distracted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot. The there's a lot of stimulation if you're interested. And Gemini's are stimulation's a really good per- word. Perennial, perennially interested. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's such a that's a great phrase. Um, Gemini's my fourth house, and oh, I wish, of course, I, I don't wish you guys could see. But you can kind of get a sense of like how you can't see the other side of this, which is just like I've seen it. Post-its everywhere. You've seen it. Um, Like calendar, like three, like calendars everywhere, whiteboards everywhere. Like I just, my home space is just filled with information, like all over the walls. And I've always been that way. When I was growing up, I used to have posters covering all walls of my room. You know, it's, I do have a very Gemini home in that way. Um, And I find, yeah, that's just a big part of Gemini. It's just like, so much information, just like all the facts, all the details, um, and this ability to draw connections between um, between info, between facts, between people, mm. places, etc. I find Gemini's to be like, you know, the Gemini's in your life to be kind of like phone books, you know, like the yellow pages, like human, <laughs> human, human yellow pages. It's just like, oh, you need someone that does this? I can find someone. I'm, I can, yeah, get into my, my Rolodex, pull up my little black book, you know. <laughs> um, that's something I, I love about Geminis and especially Mercury and Gemini. I've just been so drawn to that placement i think because of my sag my, my mercury and sagittarius oh, yeah yeah um just such a good combination totally. of mercury placements um and yeah i think what else did i want to say about gemini that like i mean i kind of want to talk a little bit about the twin aspects more because oh, I, like I like what you said about the fact that they're fraternal twins like in in mythology um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how we do have this um both like both neither sort of thing right. with Gemini's. Yes. Um, yes. And the unity and, of opposites. Yeah. The unity of opposites. That's a great as and, the and, introduction and, of humanity. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Like uh, human beings appear number one and then they appear in partnership. Oh hello. Oh. Again, we're neurobiologically hardwired for connection in the absence of connection. There's always the cardiovascular yeah. cognitive decline, the lover's card. And, and they're different. Go ahead, go ahead. What you exactly what you were saying was Castor and Pollux, right, are two different twins and and like one of them lives and one of them dies, right? Like one of them gets to persist in the realm of life eternally and one of them is eternally dead, right? Right. And that is like the interplay of life and death. It's like the most like basic binary that exists. Like are you or are you not? (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then they reunite in a beautiful way, theoretically, if that's what the Gemini constellation is. Like, as if that we can mm-hmm. kind of do the connection, disconnection, and reunion. Thus, we oh, have wow. the Gemini story reach to its highest level. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people misunderstand about Geminis. It's not Fucking like haters, the whole man. toothpaste <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no you have to, to hate Gemini. It's true. People just love to hate Geminis. Yeah. But it's really about this, like you said, like reconciliation of opposites or not reconciliation and just, um, you know, acceptance. Yeah, leveraging, yeah. Um, just leaving it fucking be. Like, mind your business. Yeah. What's it got to yeah. do with you? What's it got to do with you half the time? Yeah, like, you we know? don't have to become one person. We can still be two people. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I know. And that's the that's the Gemini twin quality. And like totally. I live this every day. My twin sister is a skeptic. She's like, I don't know about all this. Mm-hmm. But what I fucking know <laughs> is that it works for you, so God bless. I don't care. But she's always like, I don't even know about this. And and I, I experience that every day. Mm. She has curiosity so and she's and she's always asking. Um, but I almost like too that like I'm not her astrologer, I'm her twin brother, so I don't even have to go into astrology with her. Totally. But I experience that every yeah. day. Yeah. She doesn't rule it yeah. out, right? So it's not like no. taking away the avenue for for curiosity and for exploration that like allows it to continue to have vitality and exist. And I think she's got that Gemini quality of like, well, damn, I don't really give a shit what you believe in. I just want to know, <laughs> does it work for you? And you know what? I think it does. I can't say this doesn't work for my brother. He's got the results. Whereas if you said it did and your relationship sucked and you were like uh, just uh, not really the most well-adjusted human being, we'd have to have a different conversation about that. Mm-hmm. But she's like, hey, look, you can't take the results away from my brother, so I don't give a fuck how he got there. I really don't. Hell yeah. Hell <laughs> Big yeah. Gemini energy. <laughs> yeah. Anything else about Gemini you want to share? Um, I guess one thing I just want to say, and we talk about this with Mercury a lot, is just like the existence beyond binaries, basically, which is basically this whole conversation we've been having, um, is that Mercury and and that Gemini is able to um, exist, you could say, in between binaries or just outside of outside of them in general, which I think is such a a beautiful aspect of Gemini that I love a lot is, yeah, you get just a lot of open-mindedness and, um, and yeah, curiosity, like just Mm -hmm. the ability to like hold, hold two things, you know, hold, hold things that seem like opposites and find maybe the connection between them. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it doesn't exist in any sort of physical, tangible form. Well, I guess can I, I, I my parting point would actually just be a question for you yeah. is I'd love to know where you think people are at. On a scale of zero to 100%, 100%, can any of you guess what an average person's listening accuracy is? Hmm. Really low. <laughs> Give me a number, yeah. zero to 100. Zero to- Zero. I was like, what did you say? Zero to a hundred? Like, yeah, I didn't right. <laughs> I'm going to say 42%. I was going to okay, say, Kira. I want to say 60, but I feel like it's going to be lower. 60. Okay. I was going to say, I'm going to go for 33. 33. Okay. So <laughs> this is the qualitative analysis of the Safe Conversations Institute by Dr. Harville Hendricks and Dr. Helen Kelly Hunt. And it is actually 13%. Is that per oh word or God. for content in general? 
I don't know that like the the field, but I believe it's like full comprehension of a conversation. We distort eighty seven percent of the language we oh hear. Oh my god, what a nightmare! <laughs> and so, I I think the Gemini quality is all right. So well, damn, um, we got a mirror. Like between that and witness it. testimony unreliability, it's just like we literally just live in an illusion constantly. Delusion, self-deception, conspiracy, inaccuracy. <laughs> I know. So the Gemini is like, okay, where did you see that? Are you sure? What did you say? What? Did I observe that correctly? Yes. Yeah. So that would yeah. be my parting word is to just make sure that when you hear something and you're emotionally activated by it or you're feeling a particular way, you go into the mirroring phase when you just say, oh, let me make sure I got that right. Right? articulate another person's point of view of their satisfaction. See if you can summarize what a speaker just said and try to elevate exactly your accuracy so that you're not getting emotionally activated on some shit you didn't even fucking hear and that you're also <laughs> connecting with, oh, and how often do we do it? You know, so that's why, like, yeah. Daily. yeah. whereas <laughs> let's talk to people to make sure that what I just heard was what you said and then we are getting that Gemini messenger quality, I think, really Go well. Go from there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a great that's a great note to end on with Gemini. Oh. Um, I guess so. I want to kind of close out by just say, like, seeing if you guys have sort of a message for the world um, <laughs> from air signs. signs. Is there something that you wish? <clears throat> whether it's like you, you know, you see a lot of stereotypes online. Mm. Like, what do you want the world to to know about air signs or your sign, even in particular? Um, mm. Jared, you can oh, go no. first. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel, I think that, I think that Libra is the most Libra reluctant the most of the cardinal signs. It's like, I guess I'll go first, but I, I wish I could go second. I really like bouncing off. Really like um, um, I guess I would, I would just, all oh, this will have to be a riff cause I don't have a prepared statement, but, um, uh, I think that there's something to be said. And I think this has come up with the discussion of each sign individually. There's something to be said for the relationship of air signs in general to duality. And, you know, there's, I think that each air sign has a different way of sort of navigating duality, but it's, but, and, and not like non-air signs non -air can't, signs. that's not what I'm saying, but, um, right. but it is, I think, really central to the meaning of the air signs. Um, and each, so each in kind of a different way, mm -hmm. like if I can quickly try to figure out what that would be i would you know libra is about bridging duality you know um gemini is about traversing and embodying two things at once more or less um and aquarius i think is sometimes about um it's about perceiving the the unseen um and holding the the unseen uh, that everybody else is yeah everybody else is not everybody noticing else, everybody, yeah, else everybody else doesn't necessarily noticing. perceive the duality that exists and Aquarius needs to bring it to light, um, which sometimes by sometimes taking aside in a really strong way, um, which is I think the fixed nature of Aquarius. Um, so it's sort of I th I think of Aquarius as kind, kind of like the one air sign that is most likely to to actually pick a side, um, but. You know, that's often no, changing because once changing, everybody once starts agreeing with them, they'll probably switch sides. Um, <laughs> so I think that that would be my that. my sort of big picture take on on air signs that I have thought about for many years and never exactly articulated. Well, thanks for sharing yeah. it here. Yeah. Um, Hawk, how about you? A message to the world from air signs. Um, 
I think that my general message is for both from air signs, but really like two air signs, <laughs> if that's okay, which is that yeah, you're doing course. a great job being yourself. I feel like mm. air signs are characterized as like, because it's the intellect as sort of, even though what I said at the beginning is the inverse of this as more like unreal for some reason, uh, we get characterized as unfeeling and like <sighs> sort of like ungrounded as if that there's like something more core to thought um, than what actually like th than than thought um, and that we're not able to manifest or generate somehow. Um, and I think that I just like thought is like thinking about things changes them. Like what Colin mm. just said that like 13%, if I heard that right, uh, comprehension, <laughs> like if you change the mental cognitive apparatus that is filtering, receiving, and expressing information, like it literally changes everything. It's a, it's a seed point. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously fall of the sun, exile the sun, Mercury's sign, airy domicile, right? So there's a lot of movement. Yeah. It's okay to not be a solar self the way that Leo is or Aries is. Like, it's okay to be like conditional and like fast. Yeah. Hell yeah, I love that. I love Thanks that. for that. Oh, just message from your Aquarius friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, real fast. The limits of our language to find the limits of our world. So expand your language, expand your world, baby. Amazing. Mm. Awesome. I'm s this was so great. Um, we're just going to close out by letting these fine people know where they can Hear, find more about you. Find more about you. Find. Hear more about you. Learn more about you. Find, hear, learn more. I'm at all the things. I'm at Queer Cosmos, and thank you, Kira, for having us here. This was such a joy to be in your space and have you feel the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Queer Cosmos. And what do you do? Do you do readings? Yes, still, yes, or? yes, yes. On a European time zone. So God bless. If we can figure it out, we'll do it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm back in America in the spring, and we can talk then. Oh my gosh. Okay. Awesome. Um, Jared, how about you? Yeah. Um, my, on social media, I'm, uh, or at least on Twitter, I'm at Mercurius George. And that is, Mer curious is not spelled correctly. It's kind of Latinized. So M-E-R-C-U-R-I-U-S. Um, and then MercuriusGeorge.com is my website. I should probably have uh, readings up and running by the time this episode airs. So I would love to do a consultation Great. for you. And I just, I'm kind of just doing one basic consultation for, you know, birth chart, transits, et cetera, whatever, whatever you want to do. That's what I would like to do. <laughs> so Libra. <laughs> so Libra. <laughs> awesome. And Hawk. Um, I am Hawk Astrology on Twitter and Instagram. I do a lot of teaching in my Instagram stories and just like talking, spend a lot of time talking on both those platforms. I do consultations. Uh, if you're trying to get into magic or like anything like that, definitely come talk to me. I'm currently booking for March and you can find that through the link in my bio on either of those platforms. Awesome. And we will have links in the show notes yeah. too. Thank you, Kira. Thank you, Kira. Thank you, Kira. Yay, we did it. <laughs> thank and you thank guys. You, Colin, this is awesome. Colin and Jared for being such awesome air sign teammates oh yeah hawk and jared agreed. it was so cool to be in the airspace i love it i'm literally on a cloud i'm very happy agreed same yay, yay. wow so good right <laughs> um i loved having that conversation with hawk colin and jared um 
Yeah, who doesn't love talking to a bunch of air signs for almost two hours? I mean, what a dream, right? Um, and they're all so brilliant. So, yeah, really grateful for that. Um, let us know what you think about this conversation um, on our Instagram. You can follow us at The Astrology Show. Um, love to hear your thoughts. Definitely tag us and post um, about the show. Be sure to continue to share it. You know, it's so helpful. Um, I love I love seeing your tags and posts about the show and I just it warms up my heart because um yeah it's not it's not obviously not just about me right it's about these like amazing people that I have on the show and they deserve more um they deserve to be celebrated and seen as well so yeah continue sharing liking subscribing that's a big one I mean yeah, you should definitely subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, because you'll get our new episodes twice a week, deliver it right to your screen. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you don't have to search for them. And it helps us a lot. You know, more subscribers. That's always great. Ratings. We love that. Whether it's a thumbs up on YouTube or five stars on um, wherever you're listening to this or consuming this, um, again, it helps a ton. And, um, what else? Yeah. All those things appreciate follow us. Like I said, on Instagram, um, I'm at the astrology on Instagram at the astrology underscore on Twitter. I'm back on Twitter. Um, I'm kind of back there. <laughs> I, I've been gone for, for the most part for like six months. So, I'm inching my way back onto Twitter. You can find me there. Um, yeah, and of course, follow all of our awesome guests. And until next time. Um, oh, and one last plug for the 11th House Workshop, um, SEO for Astrologers. Definitely sign up for that. And if you're listening to this in the future, after it already happened, we will have this available on our site for purchase at some point, too. So check it out regardless. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, hope you have a good rest of your day and we'll see you again on Monday with the next episode. Have a good one.